hearts together, if you would. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for your mercy and your grace to us. We're grateful for these young people that have applied themselves and studied and spent many hours, no doubt, in school to try to learn, to try to do what they can in life. They hold in their hands tonight the greatest book of all the books they've had. Maybe math, spelling, geography, all kinds of other books that man has written. But this book was written by you. We're praying tonight, Father, that you would help them. You're the author of this book, and you're the only one that could make it real to their hearts. So I pray that you would add to their understanding and their revelation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless y'all. <clears throat> Maybe we can stand together. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Certainly sorry that Brother Aaron um, couldn't come in to be with us. I was looking forward to the, to the service tonight myself and, and tomorrow as well. But the Lord knows all these things and things about life. It can certainly throw us all kinds of surprises, but I'm glad our God isn't surprised about anything that happens. So <clears throat> we'll just, uh, I'm going to read to you the question that we stopped on last time, and then we'll read the scripture and then we'll pray. How do you know when you have the Holy Ghost? Which is one of the greatest questions anybody could ask. In John 3, 3, Jesus speaking to a man that you all know well, if you've read your Bible and heard preaching, Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads together once again. Fathers, we've come again to be able to look into your word and to try our best to answer questions that's on the hearts of these young people. And we saw, Lord, uh, just as we gathered the last time, that it's evident these questions are not just for young people. Because I've heard from Africa, I've heard from different parts of the world, Many people got answers to questions they were praying about, even changing jobs and moving from one nation to another, and you spoke to their hearts. We're thankful for that, Lord. So we pray tonight once again that you would take this service, Lord, and please help me. Dear Father, you know my heart more than anyone. You know I would never want to lead one person astray. I would never want to say anything in any way that would be a stumbling block to anyone. So help me tonight as I endeavor to look at these questions. Give me your ability and your strength. Anoint me tonight, Father, and anoint these young people, I pray, in Jesus' name. And you all said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. <clears throat> The prophet tells us that this is the first doctrine that the Lord Jesus shared when he came to the earth. And I find it unusual in one sense of the word because he spoke about this doctrine to a man that he knew 
would never be able to attain to it. We have no record or no history that Nicodemus was ever actually born again. He could not understand this, as many people don't today. But Jesus chose words that were so simple, yet so profound. And to come back to the question that was asked, how do you know when you have the Holy Ghost? So the Lord Jesus approaches this from a natural aspect, but he parallels it with a spiritual one. And he uses the terms, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the word actually, the two words, born again, means to be born from above. So our natural birth introduces us to light. So we are conceived in darkness in our mother's womb. We are carried our entire term in darkness. So whenever we are born naturally, and it's evident, every one of us have been born naturally, right? So when we were born, after eight and a half months, nine months, whatever uh, term that you went, your entire existence from the moment of conception was in a dark world. You had eyes after so long, but they were never opened. There was nothing there to be able to emanate the presence that was around you. So you were in a dark world. You had ability to hear certain things, and that's why they say that a child can recognize its mother's voice, one of the first ones, because the mother carries that child. But still, the world outside of that mother's body is a world that is so darkened to this child. Now, if somehow we could communicate to a baby that is being carried by its mother, and we would be able to wire a speaker into that location where that baby was, and we would begin to tell this baby, now look, in about a month or so, you're going to be born. And when you're born, there's things out here in this world like you have never seen. There are animals called horses and there are human beings, and you've got a sister and a brother and a mother and a father and a grandmother and a grandfather and Aunt Lucy and Uncle Jim, and you've got this and that and the other. And that baby would say, oh my goodness, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I want to be born. I'm not sure that I, I want to come out of this place because this is the only place that baby ever knew. Now, whenever the natural birth actually brings us down through the natural process of being born, and the doctor, the nurse, the midwife, whoever it is, took each of us and smacked us really good, and we, <clears throat> for the first time in our life, caused the breath of life. We didn't have to have that when we were in our mother's womb because we were attached to her body by the navel cord. All the things, the nutrients, all the things that we needed were supplied to us from our mother's body. Yet, we had lungs that were being formed, our brain, our spinal cord, all these things that was being formed. And whenever it come to where that we were born, then now 
we are out into this world which is so strange. And all of a sudden we went from feeling nothing. There were no hands that touched us. No one there to grab a hold of us. And then all of a sudden, we come down this, we're not even sure what it is, but it's the birth canal. And, and our blood pressure is going up and we're feeling so affrighted and we don't know what's happening. And you may be there for two hours, 12 hours, 24 hours. You don't have a clue what's going on. And then you're, you're, you're born, as we call it. Now you have eyes, but your eyes cannot yet see. Why? Because you've been in this, this channel, this world of absolute darkness. It's all you've known. You've heard voices, you've heard sounds, but they've come through this, this uh, water that has been around you, which your mother has carried you. So it's not been clear sounds. It's been sounds that's been more garbled, and they've been really strange, and you've heard them through this, this fluid that's been all around you. So now you've got one nurse handling you and a doctor handling you and your mother and your baby brother and your baby sisters and they're all saying, ooh, ah, oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's so pretty. Can you imagine how we must have felt whenever we come to this world and all of a sudden we begin to feel things and and. And then we hear things and we're hearing sounds. And, and if you had to be put into an incubator like Em and Ellie were, and they spent the first several, several weeks of their life in this machine, they could only be held so long. Emma was able to get out before Ellie was, but nurses were there and doctors was there. And I was able to be there every day, every morning, because they said it was so important that there would be an attachment made to us so they would feel this human contact. How odd. I held Ellie. She was so little. I just held her right here in my arms, so tiny and so small. Now, you can imagine them whenever we are born again. We're born from above. So whenever we come to the earth, this is the way God describes all of us. You say, well, I thought you were answering the question about us getting the Holy Ghost. I am. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you to home base first. And then I want to knock a home run that will bring you all the way around and bring you right back home. Now, in order to understand what it means to have the Holy Ghost, I think we need to look at what we were before the supernatural power of God began to change our lives. In Genesis 8:21, God said this after the flood, And the Lord smelled a sweet Savior. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his use. Now this is what God said about all of man. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. So God says after the flood, I will not do this again. Because man is evil. Even from his use. Man has this, this ability in him after the fall. And the imagination of man's heart, it doesn't begin when he's 30 or 40 or 50. But when, when man, before he ever comes into manhood, or young ladies, 
This imagination is in his heart. In Psalms 14, 2, David said, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. Now that was me, that was you, that was you. Now one of the things that makes it so difficult, especially for church-going kids that have been raised in church their entire life. Now, many of you did not uh, have an upbringing to where that you had all kinds of things going on in your home that was wicked and bad and evil. Some of you did. But for the most part, many of you were raised in church. So you were raised, some of you cut your teeth on these pews right here. I dedicated you when you were babies. So you never knew of your daddy coming home on Saturday night drunk. You never knew of your mama coming in high and should have to wait to wep in the day Sunday to get up. But you were raised coming right here singing church songs, clapping your hands as wee little tots. So this is the way you were raised up in church. So some of you have not been able to see maybe the major change in your life that some of your moms and dad did or some of your grandfathers. Say someone who comes to the Lord and they were terrible. They had all one addiction after another. They were drinking. They were running around with somebody else's wife. And they come to the Lord and you can see such, such changes in those people's lives. Well, some of you, you come to church and all, all of a sudden one day something began to deal on your heart. Some of you got baptized when you were 10 years old, when you were 11, when you were 12, when you were 14. And some of you have not seen the major change in your life that maybe other people who come to our church have seen. So you look and say, well, I really don't know if I've got the Holy Ghost or not. All I know is I've been in church all my life. I went to Sunday school over there, and sister so-and-so was my teacher, then brother so-and-so, then sister so-and-so, and then I found myself sitting in church. That's all I've known all my life. But still, down in your nature, this is what you were. Now, for some... They may wait till they're 16, 17. Some will come through school. They'll come through high school. And they really won't start manifesting a darkness of their nature until they get into college. Now, one reason that makes you different from a lot of these kids that are out here is because that you are getting a constant hearing and teaching that is impregnating your conscience. Now, many of the kids, even that you go to school with, that you go to college with, they don't have that. Now, this is the natural God-given something that every human being is born with. But that conscience can only retain a certain element of right and wrong, what I should do, what I should not do. So if you are raised in a home that is completely saturated and filled with sin, by, by the majority of most people on the day we live in, their conscience is filled with wickedness and sinfulness from the time they're little kids. Well, there's little kids today that could tell me, as a 66-year-old man, they could tell me evil and wrongdoing and corruption 
that I would stand there and look at them and say, you've got to be kidding me. You mean people do that sort of thing? And I am very naive. I know. I'm very naive. And I'm ignorant of sin. And I'm so glad I am. You can't imagine. That's right. But for the age that we live in, their conscience becomes so defiled by many of the things they watch, by the games they play, by their parents and grandparents that raise them. So they come to the earth not long after they're born and their conscience becomes so, so corrupt and so defiled. But for many of you, it's not that way. Your conscience has been embedded with truths and reality of God. Now this is where it becomes very dangerous and treacherous as we would say. Because what I've found over the years is that many people will live by that conscience. Well, I, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. And I shouldn't go there. I, I shouldn't do this. And it's not right for me to drink. I shouldn't do it. And they will take that that is the Holy Ghost. When in reality... It is their conscience that has been taught what's right and wrong. Then when they get a little older, then someone else will start putting information into that conscience. A professor, a high school teacher, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Now, if it is the genuine Holy Ghost, I don't care who tells you opposite from what the Holy Ghost says, you will not believe it. If it's your mama, your daddy, your grandpa, your pastor, it, you don't care because the Holy Ghost is your tie post to God. But if it is your conscience, then someone else begins to put more information into your conscience. Now remember in the Garden of Eden that God chose man's heart, but Satan chose man's head. Now, why do we have folks leaving the message that have been around the message for years and years? Because many of them were following the message from a head standpoint. Then they get on a website, which is corrupt and rotten, written by a bunch of devils. I know some of them. I know what I'm talking about. And they go to reading stuff, and what does it appeal to? Their mind their mind. Then it begins to confuse them. Well, I can't answer this and I can't answer that. Well, answer this for me. Have you ever seen God face to face? Any of y'all ever talked to God face to face? Really? Uh, Mo Moses was the only man that we know of. We only have his word that God gave him the Ten Commandments. Do we believe that? Amen. Oh, you got to be kidding me now. Just one man's word? Y'all believe that? What if you believe the Bible, you do? So why do you do that? Because your faith, inborn faith, overrides what you cannot explain. And that's the way faith does. Now, for many, whenever they come to that state, then it's exactly the same thing that Satan did to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He raised a question to Eve, and it was this. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, now, notice he did not question the message of Noah, the message of Jonah, the message of Habakkuk, the message of Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi. He didn't question any other words other than the words of that present day. 
the word that God gave her to live by. And that's exactly what he's going to do to us. Now, all of us are born with this in the way that David went on to say, they are all gone aside, they are all together become filthy, and there is none that doeth good, no, not one. None. So all of us are born this way. Now, remember, the difficult part can be because our conscience has been impregnated by right and wrong, and people will live by that, and then one day they started stepping over that conscience, and they do something wrong, and they feel really bad. They feel really, really bad, and then they go ahead and do it again or something else, and what they notice is that it doesn't bother them as bad the second time as it did the first time. They do it the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, and before long, the conscience, the voice, inner voice of the conscience becomes silenced and it becomes hardened by sin. Now that's where the majority of the people out here, that's where they are from about five or six years old. That's why they don't know right from wrong. That's why that they're so easily convinced. I read just yesterday that one of our states that belong to our union are now giving out material to kindergarten kids and teaching them how to be changed from girls to boys or boys to girls. Now, why are they doing that to kids? Because they are so vulnerable and so open. So start it when they're that young, and you can imagine that's all they think is right and wrong. So they don't even know what's a man or what's a woman anymore. Why? Because they're trying to get this to them when they are young. Now, the Holy Ghost is not a teaching in our conscience. I love this the way David says this in Psalms 51.5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. Now, if we had a nation would still believe the Bible, this would resolve the question about abortion. This would let us know the way God looks at us and when we as a human being actually started. Listen to what David said. I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So David didn't say, uh, because my mother didn't abort me and I took the breath of life, then I become a human being. But David believed by God's principles of life that he was a human being when he was conceived. Well, it just so happens all the rest of believing people of God believe the same thing. Now, notice now in the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, this is all of us. This is where we were when we were all born. Every prophet, every good man, every good woman, as we call them, we were all born under these direct words of God. Not one of us was good. Not one of us. There was not one good thing about us that could ever commend us into the presence of God. They say, why are you saying that for? Because I want you to look at what you were born, and then I want you to look at what you are tonight, and tell me what made you different. 
Is it conscience alone? Well, if it is, then someone will be able to talk it out of you. But if it is something that you are willing to die for, nobody can get it out of your soul. Now, the Lord Jesus goes on in verse four of St. John three, and notice this, Nicodemus then, now Nicodemus is gonna say something. Nicodemus saith unto them, how can a man be born when he is old? Now remember, this has never been uttered before. It's never been uttered in the Old Testament, not even the, the, the types and the shadows. This was totally new, brand new language. Nobody ever even thought of such a thing. Now, Nicodemus being a master in Israel, a great teacher, and Nicodemus is so perplexed by this, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Now, he hears Jesus say this, and the only thing he knows about being born is what he experienced and what everybody else around him experienced, and that was through a mother and a father, and he's thinking in his mind, how in the world is that possible? I'm an old man, how can I be born again? And he says, how can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is all he knows about being born. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, actually, Nicodemus is speaking not only about what he believed, but he's speaking in the sense of the nation of Israel how they would have related to the messianic kingdom. Now they were looking for the Messiah. They believed he would come. They believed from the prophecy that started in Genesis 3.15 that he would be a serpent bruiser. They believed from the messianic prophecy of Haggai 2.7, he would be called the desire of all the nations. They believed according to Deuteronomy 18.15, he would be a prophet. They believed from the messianic prophecies in the book of Psalms that he would be the son of David. So they believed that he would be a great conqueror and he would come upon the earth and set up his natural kingdom. And being Jews, they believed they were the called chosen people. And because they were naturally Jews, they would be inheritors of this messianic kingdom. And Jesus is blowing that doctrine all to pieces. Now he's telling not only Nicodemus, but his kingdom is now going to be initiated under another birth. And he's gonna tell them whether you are Jew or Gentile, it doesn't make one bit of difference from this point on. Now you imagine that he's not only introducing a new kingdom, he's introducing a new birth to get into that kingdom. But he first must eradicate the Jews thinking that, well, if you're a Jew, then you're automatically in the Messianic kingdom. And Jesus is saying, sorry to tell you guys, but it works no longer that way. Now in the Old Testament, yes, it did. But now he's saying, look, because, why? Why would he say that birth part? Because that's what they so held to. They were Jews by birth. So they were divided into 12 12 tribes and they could trace their genealogies right on down and they knew exactly their grandpa, their great grandpa way, way back. But Jesus is saying that won't work any longer. You've got to have another birth to be in this kingdom. And Nicodemus is saying, what? What do you mean born again? I don't understand. 
Notice Jesus says in, in chapter three, verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. And Nicodemus, you know, you can read the rest of it in verse eight, but just jump down to verse nine. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? So let's look at it in this way. You were in your mother's womb being formed, cell by cell, tissue by tissue. The earth itself reflected you coming to this earth. We know that Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth, period. And then verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Actually, the earth was being held as it were in the womb of the universe. And the earth was little tiny, tiny spot that looks like no more than a speck of dust and yet, in our little place where we are, and our cul-de-sac called the Milky Way, we're just a little, little tiny spot in this one little galaxy. And Andromeda and all the other galaxies, now they're saying that there are probably millions and maybe even billions of galaxies. And each of those galaxies contain millions of stars. Now, years ago, by what man was able to look with the telescopes and things that they had, they thought they were seeing a star. But as man's ability to look out further is actually finding out what they saw was a star, it was actually a galaxy. And in that galaxy are millions of stars. And then they thought they saw another star that was also a galaxy. And another, and another, and another. Now, how are they increasing at that? Because they can see farther. So we're born blind as we were born naturally blind. We couldn't see. Our mama could talk. And old mama cried and daddy cried and everybody cried. And you're thinking about crying. Well, as a matter of fact, you cried too. You was the first one. So you started crying and my, what in the world was going through our minds? But you were blind. So it took you days to be able to focus. And then they would look at, oh, he's looking right at me. You don't know if he is or if he ain't. He's just trying to figure out what in the world's on that ugly face of yours. Is that mama? Oh my, is that my daddy? Oh Oh goodness. So we were born blind. Well, we come to this world, this world in the sense our mother holds us and we come out of that. And when God said, let there be light, then the earth comes out of the womb of the universe and light begins to break forth on the earth. It's the same with us in the natural sense. Well, look at the spiritual birth. When we are born again, what happens? We come to this spiritual union with Christ Jesus. It's more than saying, I repent of my sins. I'm sorry I lied. I'm sorry I drunk. I'm a new creature in Christ. No, you're not. You're just starting. Now, you sisters that have had babies, you could tell us how painful and how horrific that thing is. 
Now, when your water starts breaking, you say, oh, I've got my baby. Not yet, you ain't, sis. You may have two days. You may have a, a cesarean section. My, my. It can be a while before that little screaming young one comes along. And it's the same way when we come to Christ. When we come to him, it starts out with justification by faith. So a person comes up and they stand here at the altar, brother, pray for me. I'm lost without God. I want God to save me. So myself and the other brothers are gathered around the individual. Lord, forgive this man. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And they'll stand there, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What's happened? That's the first stage of them coming to the new birth. But that don't mean they're in Christ yet. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, now not repented and not saved. Now remember the book of Acts says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't it amazing the writer, which was Luke, did not say shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, but shall be saved. So what is saved? Well, you're saved from your past sins. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I believe you died for me on the cross. Is that what we have to do? Yes. So we accept him as our Savior. That does not mean the Holy Ghost went in you at that instant. So notice how Paul identifies the new creation with only those that are in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... Not just saved, not just repented. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are, say it with me, passed away. So when we have a family member or a friend or someone in our church that dies, what is the common terms that we generally use? It seems nicer, softer to say, well, sister so-and-so Ah, passed away. So let me ask you, if um, you heard that Brother Donnie passed away, okay? And then you're going to have my funeral Monday night. And when you come in, I'm up here preaching. And you're thinking, I thought he died. Well, they told me he passed away. And I said, no, I'm just trying to trick you all. Well, you say, Lord, have mercy. Well, you see, that's the way it is for people who say they have the Holy Ghost and they're still living a life of sin. Right? Now, they say, oh, I'm a brand new creature. I, I, that, that old man has passed away. Well, how can you still be drinking? How can you still be committing adultery and running around with this man's wife and doing this and that and the other? I mean, I, I guess I don't understand the meaning of passed away or you don't want. I've done a lot of funerals in my life. As far as I know, I never did bury a live one. I hope to God I ain't. I've walked in front of a lot of caskets, I mean, and I was the last one to look at them many times. And I sure hope somebody ain't down there... Brother Donnie, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Well, you laugh at that because that's a natural sense. But that's the same way that many folks are. And they will go to churches all over Tri-Cities in the morning. 
And they'll go and they'll sing and they'll worship God. Oh, I'm born again, I'm born again. And they'll hardly get off the steps of the church till they'll light up a cigarette or they'll put a charred rack on and they'll get some snuff down here and they can't wait to be able to go sit down and eat lunch and drink a beer and drink a glass of wine and they'll go home and watch X-rated movies. Well, come on, y'all, say minute, don't scare me. And yet they'll say at the same time, but the old man passed away. Are you sure? Praise the Lord. Now notice, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now it's not an old one patched up, but he's actually new. New, brand new. All things are passed away. Behold, two things or three things what? Wow. All things are become new. Now I see some of y'all taking notes. So I put down a few things that will become new. New affections. New inclinations. And if I go too fast, you can ask me for them. I'll give them to you afterwards. New dispositions. A new course of life. New conversation. New friends. New habits. New rule of action in your life. A new course of conduct. New joys. Y'all ready for this one? New sorrows. <laughs> wow. New disappointments. New hopes. New fears. New prospects. All things become new. Now, even though there's nothing new physically, and the prophet says that you're a new creation in the same old temple, nothing is new physically. You're the same person. You have the same faculties and all that, but you're renewed in the spirit of your mind. So it is in vain for a person to profess affinity to Christ that they are born again when they're still unchanged in their conversation, in their habits, and their prospects of life, and their friends, they've still got exact same friends that hang around with the same people and live the same old way. I'm sorry, I do not believe what they say. Oh, you're not supposed to judge people. I'm not judging them. I'm a fruit inspector. You telling me I'm judging an apple tree when I walk out there in the orchard and I say, that ain't an apple tree, that's got peaches on it. Well, I ain't judging that tree. I'm just looking up there and say, I know that is a Bradford pear. I know that's a pear tree. And he could say, oh no, I'm an apple, I'm an apple. I'll say, you're lying, you're not an apple. <laughs> yeah, you're a pear. Now when people say they're born again, oh, they're all going to heaven. Now look, if they're a new creature, God's word says, all things are new. How many believe it? So he's made new. He is a new creature. He is a little world in himself. A little world in himself. As your mother held you, and then you were born, and you were born into light and life and existence of a human being. So God himself, the Almighty, held that quickening time 
And when the Spirit of God quickens you, you were born afresh into a new world. Out of chaotic disorder, the way the earth was, it was turning and churning around out there like a wandering star. And God spoke and said, let there be light. And when it did, the womb of the universe broke away. And here come this planet. What was it? Covered with water. As you were when you come out of your mother's womb. And the earth was having a birth. And when we are born again, now tell me how in the world can that happen to us and us not know it? You see, people think, well, you know, is it so secretive that I don't know it? No, you will know it. But it depends on how you will process what you're looking for. You see, your nature has a lot to do with your birth paths. I don't want to go over your head or anything, but we are born under a star, naturally. The heavens are coincided with the earth, and we're born under a certain star, a certain birth path. This is a quote from question answer 64, and it has something to do with your life. Well, when you're born again, you're reborn under another nature. That puts you in a split condition. Now, when you were a sinner, your soul was of the world, your spirit was of the world, your body was of the world. You was just a worldly kid. That's all you were. All of us were. But when you become born again, then something inside of you takes over. That old person actually is dead. They're no longer alive, but you are still living in this old cocklebur body. Y'all know what a cocklebur is, right? Some of you don't. Well, just look at yourself and you'll know what one is. A cocklebur, my goodness, surely all you Tennesseans. Of course, I've got, we've got people here that don't live, not from Tennessee. Well, when you go out and walk around the fall, now they're out there right now, but they're not so much as sticky. But whenever you go out, and they've got this little thing, about that big, depends on what size, which part of the country they're from, but they'll have this little burr on it, and they are so sticky. They will stick to your clothes. They will get to whatever's sticky about you, and it will stick to everything. I've been hunting out in the woods before, and maybe going to a tree stand before daylight, and get up there, and get settled in, and boy, you know, I get my little ink pen and my pad, and I stick an MP3 thing a little bit, and I'm going to listen to Brother Brown, or I'll listen to music while I'm sitting up there and saying, I'm going to have me a time today. Because I take my iPad to the tree stand. I know you think I'm weird. But I take my iPad to the tree stand, so I'll sit there and listen to sermons and write down notes and all that. And whenever it comes daylight, I look down on my hunting clothes. I've got cockle burrs or whatever type of sticky thing it is all over me. I'll sit there for the next hour, hour and a half, two hours, trying to pick them off. That's the way your flesh is to the world. That's why you can't trust this even after you got the Holy Ghost. And some of you get confused because this cocklebur thing on the outside still gravitates toward this out here. And you say, well, I, I ain't got the Holy Ghost. I ain't got the Holy Ghost. Oh, I, how can I have the Holy Ghost? This ain't never got the Holy Ghost. I ain't got the Holy Ghost in this. Brother Branham never had the Holy Ghost in this. The Holy Ghost is in your soul. And the Holy Ghost will bring this subject and make it obey what's on the inside. 
You've heard me preach the message years ago. I just preached it over in North Carolina. There was a king by the name of Mesentius. There were several of them that did this, but Mesentius was one of the ones that I did some study on. And whenever he would capture people and go in and take a city, then one way he would punish the survivors was that he would chain the body of a dead man to you. So you're a living man, you're a living man, you're a living woman. So he would chain the body of that dead man to you. Whenever you sat down to eat, there laid that dead man. Well, he wasn't looking at you, but he was there. So you imagine you're carrying around a dead man. The body is rotting. The worms are crawling in and out of the skin. And the stench is absolutely horrible. You know what happened to most of them? The reason of it was Mesentius wanted you to die. And he wanted that dead man to kill you. It had been so much easier, they cut your throat. It had been so much easier, they just shot you or done whatever. But it was a slow, painful, agonizing, tormenting, stinking death. Well, that's the way this old body is. You're a new creature in Christ, and you're still chained to this old dead man. The Bible tells us that Paul, whenever he was brought to Rome, that they actually let him go into a house by himself, except for a Roman soldier. So what they would do is they would chain a Roman soldier. You imagine Paul praying and this Roman soldier didn't believe in prayer. He would call on his own gods. And Paul was still chained to this guy. Paul wanted to worship God and that Roman said, I don't believe in your gods. He said, give me your arm, I'm praising God. So Paul would have to raise his arm plus the arm of that old Roman. You imagine Paul getting alone and the Holy Ghost would come down in the room and that old Roman would sit there pouting around and the Spirit of God would go to moving on Paul and he'd go to speaking in tongues and maybe seeing a vision and that Roman said, I don't want this. I don't believe in this. I don't want this. You say, what's that got to me with, do with me? I just painted you a picture of yourself. You see, when you come to church, you may think it's just you and your wife but actually it's you and your Roman and your wife and her Roman. So all four of you sitting right there together on the same pew. And you'll have to press through that old Roman. You're too tired to raise your hands. You don't need to worship God. You understand? Hey, I, I, I have to fight that Roman every time I go preach. That old Roman of mine, and the aggravating thing about it is, I, I found out the other day what his name was. It's Donald Lee Reagan Jr., I thought it might have been Centurius, Flavius, Vespasian, such and so. I found out he's got the same name I do. Now, is that a coincidence or what? Oh, my. So whenever, though, I, the Lord will deal with me about preaching something, I go to look and I think, oh, Lord, if I preach that, I'm going to get in a bunch of trouble. My goodness, I can't preach that. And the Roman will say, now, listen to me, pal. I'll tell you one thing, if I was you, I'd make that a little bit easier. Now, you know if you preach that, so-and-so's going to get mad at you. And so-and-so, I'm telling you, you better listen to me. But when I get up, the Holy Ghost just goes to anoint me. It just shuts the mouth of that old Roman. I mean, I just preach like I've got good sense, whether I have or not. I go ahead and obey the Lord. And then whenever trouble comes, the Lord is silent. Guess who talks to me? My Roman. And he'll say, <clears throat> Can you and I talk? And he'll say, remember, I told you, if you preach that, you was going to get in trouble. I warned you, but will you listen to me? No, no, no. 
You all Roman never talk that way. Am I the only one that's got one? Brother Rob's got one. A few more Romans. What's yours, a Greek? Macedonian? <laughs> and you see, some of you get so confused because you're thinking, how can I love God? How can I love God and be filled with the Holy Ghost? And the devil put them horrible thoughts in my mind because your mind is the battleground. Brother Roy Borders, which worked with Brother Branham, gave a testimony. And he said he was standing helping Brother Branham in a prayer line. And after the service, he went to Brother Branham and apologized. And said, Brother Branham, I am so sorry. He said, why, Brother Roy? He said, when I was standing there bringing them people up to you on the prayer line, the office thoughts was coming through my mind. And I'm so sorry. He said, Brother Borders, them thoughts was aimed at me. But you were standing there between me and them. Don't you understand why we need a body change? It ain't just so we can go back to being young people. It's so we can get out of this cockleburr shell that we're still in. You see, there is no part of the believer's life that will not be affected by this resurrection of the newness of life. And this can rejoice in it. We can feel the Spirit of God on the outside. Oh yeah, I feel it. Oh, praise the Lord. I felt the Holy Ghost today. Wonderful, wonderful. But it'll come and leave off this. This can cry and it can be so happy. And it can have these mood swings. Any of y'all ever have mood swings? Oh, praise the Lord. Now, just the sisters, I say, okay, praise the Lord. So we have these mood swings and we feel so good and then we feel so bad and we feel such victory till we get out after church and then we see our unfavorite person that we go to church with and all of a sudden our old flesh just riles up with it. Lord, how can I be saved? And you know how the devil is. He's the type of a guy that'll talk you into robbing the and call the cops on you while you're doing it. So he will put thoughts in your mind and try to convince you that's from your heart. And if you don't know the difference, you'll let him convince you. So I'm rotten. I'm no good. That don't mean you thought that. Right here is your battleground. And it ain't a one-sided battleground. God fires missiles, and Satan fires them. It's no wonder our minds stay in such turmoil in the day we're in. Right here is the no man's land. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Oh, you're just in the best mood that ever was, and all of a sudden this thought comes, you think, Lord have mercy. Would any of you all want your thoughts put up here on the screen? First volunteer? Not me. Brother Donnie, you? Yes! This is a cockleburr. But inside of me, I'm a son of God. And the closer I am in fellowship with him, it makes this Roman obey. <laughs> My Roman don't like to go to church now a bit more than he did when I first got saved. My Roman don't like doing right things now a bit more than all these decades that I've been serving God. Oh, you mean you still fight those things? Yes. Which Donnie is me? 
Is it the Roman or the seed of God? But I'm doing the greatest thing I can do for this Roman. I'm taking him to church. And when he wants to talk about people, I say, zip it. When he wants to get even with people, I say, no, sir. Vincent's his mind, saith the Lord. I'll repay. Shut your mouth, Roman. But one of these days, my soul will lead my Roman to a body change. But if I let my Roman lead my soul, I'll be lost. You understand? Notice Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. Now watch him speaking about two different eyes. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. Ah. So Paul separated the Christian life from the flesh. And he said, there is a life in my flesh. He didn't say his flesh was Christ. You understand? The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Notice the way he says this. He doesn't say by faith in the Son of God, but actually the life I'm living is by the faith of the Son of God himself. Now listen to this carefully so you don't misunderstand me. Christ is the living soul of the spiritual life of the believer. God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Christ is the living soul of the believer when they are quickened by the Holy Ghost. But Brother Donnie, what about these temptations? You're forgetting about the Lord Jesus. He was tempted in all points like as you are. It absolutely blows people away, but the prophet says it, and how can I overcome? Paragraph 103. Jesus was tempted by women, by drinking. You young men, imagine the Lord Jesus was tempted by women, by drinking. The Lord Jesus walked by a tavern and smelled that wine come out, and the devil say, look, you go in there and get you a drink. It'll calm your nerves. It'll calm you down. It'll help you. And as a man, the Lord Jesus allowed himself to be tempted. You say, why would he do that? For you. For me. He knew he was going to be a high priest for over 2,000 years. He wanted to be a high priest that when his sons would come to him in this evil age and say, Lord, help me. Lust bothers me, Jesus. Help me then you're not approaching a, a God that is angry and oh, a God that's out to get you, but you're approaching your lawyer. And Jesus can say, I remember that feeling. When you get to a spot, you say, I can't take it no more. I can't take it no more. The pressure's too great. Jesus could say, I remember that feeling. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when I said, Father, if it be thy will, 
let this cup pass from me. I remember that feeling. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave the earth. The prophet said he loved his brothers and he didn't want to leave them. You see, Jesus was a dual being. You are too when you get the Holy Ghost. So Jesus could say, take this cup from me, let it pass. That was the human part. But then the Father which lived inside of him said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Notice how it separated the human will of Jesus from the divine will of God. This is where you are. You'll always have that will. And it'll try to fight against God. It'll fight you. Oh, that old Roman of yours, he's stubborn, he's hard-headed. He don't want to do what's right. But one day he'll thank you because you'll lead him or her to a new body. Praise the Lord. So Paul says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, I'm sure you notice notice already, but the Lord Jesus actually spoke more about our cross than he did his own. I'm always perplexed. You know, it really bothers me whenever you hear preachers and, and so many of them, that's as far as they go. And they preach about the cross of Christ, cross of Christ, cross of Christ. As Brother Jesse saying about a while ago, we have to take up our cross and follow him. You see, believing on the cross of Christ is accepting him as our savior. Picking up our cross and following him is discipleship. Accepting his cross is not discipleship at all. It's being saved from our sins. And this is what Laodicea don't want. They want his cross. Sure, he's done died on it. I don't have to die on his. I've got to die on mine. So I can look at his cross. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I can hang a symbol in my, in my mirror, you know, hanging down from my rearview mirror. I can have one here and there and then say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But that will only take me so far unless I pick up my cross and follow him. You see, as the branch is in the tree by union, so apple tree, pear tree, locust, pine, maple, birch, walnut, aspen, whatever it is, that tree will bring forth the branches and it'll come forth out of that. So the branch is one with the tree by being in union and attached to it. But the tree is in the branch by sharing its sap. Praise the Lord. So the tree is in the branch by sharing its sap. We are in Christ by being attached to him by the new birth. He is in us by sharing his life that we now live by his own faith. How can a person know they've got the Holy Ghost? Notice this in Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Notice how he keeps saying this about new and new creation. That we should walk in the newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which is water baptism, 
This is why you get baptized. So when we baptize people, as we will in the morning, we'll baptize a little brother. Whenever we baptize them and take them down, this is a watery grave. And we're simply saying what you have told us. The Lord has dealt with me. I've repented. I'm on my way to a Christian walk with God. I want to be baptized. So we bury you in the water and we bring you up as a symbol in the newness of life. Paul said, together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Notice this again. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Oh, Brother Donnie, if I've got the Holy Ghost, will I make mistakes? The question is not will you. The question is how many will you? Yes. You're going to make mistakes. How many knows what the word sin means in the New Testament? S-I-N. These brothers. Harmatia, the Greek word. Harmatia. It means to miss the mark. Okay? So you have a bow and arrow, you have a gun, long rifle, pistol, whatever it is, and you've got a target right there. Let's make it that pull alarm right there beside the door, that red. Okay? It's a pretty big target. So you aim on that with your rifle. I'm left-handed, so I'm going to put it under my, my strong eye, my dominant eye, is my left eye. So I'm going to put the scope on it or the iron sights, the open sights, and I go ahead and squeeze the trigger. Now, we all go over there and we look and we say, Brother Donnie, you blowed the glass out of that door. Y'all know what I done? I missed the mark. Now, does that mean I'm not a human? Nope. Does that mean I'm not a good shot? I've got enough animals in my house to prove I'm a good shot. But somehow, whenever I squeezed, I did not squeeze proper at the proper time when I released my breath, or I was looking over here and some of y'all raised your hand and diverted my attention. That don't mean that I'm totally lost. I'm totally lost. Oh, I'm lost forever. I'm lost forever. It simply means I'm going to put another shell in, and now I'm mad. I'm going to hit that if I have to stand here all night. If there's a hole blowed that big in that wall, I'm going to blow that thing off the wall. <laughs> well, that's the way we do when we're Christians. It don't mean you're a devil. It don't mean you're an unbeliever. It don't mean you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You just didn't pull the trigger at the right time. You squeeze them. Many times you brothers know, especially if it's a higher power rifle. I've got one called a 375 H&H. It's a big elephant type gun for big game in Africa. Years ago, I took a with me when I went there on a safari and I had it uh, magnaported, which is the way that they uh, take a laser beam cut in the end of it and it helped release the back pressure so that it don't break your arm when you shoot it, basically. So whenever I do it, but still, whenever I shoot it, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm going to miss every time. Why? Because the fear of that 375, I'm talking about a bullet, that big 350 grain, and whenever I shoot it, it's going to leave a bruise mark. It looks like a mule has kicked me right there on the shoulder. Or you say, I can do it. Well, good. You can come over and shoot it for me then. But you know what? There's that fear there. So what am I going to do? I'm going to flinch. That's what you call it. So what do you do? You just keep shooting. Pull another and then there. And every time you shoot, it makes a bigger bruise. <laughs> but I don't care how many times I miss the mark as a believer. I'm going to hit that mark because I'm ordained. Amen. 
as a child of God, we are ordained to hit this mark. And that mark is what? Keeping this body subject to the word. If I miss the target today, I'll hit it tomorrow. I'm not taking my eyes off that mark. You understand? That don't mean you're not a Christian. Don't mean you don't love God. Just means you got to shoot a little better. Notice this. Knowing this, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. People that say they can't keep from sinning a little bit every day, they need to get the Holy Ghost. But let me find a place to wind down here. I don't just believe in forgiveness. I don't believe that we have to sin a little bit every day and we can't live above sin. That's not what the Bible teaches us. I believe the Holy Ghost can help us live in such a way that a lot of these traps we fall into, we get victory over them before the devil ever springs them on us. You're talking about a victorious child of God instead of the same thing bothering you over and over again. Can I have just a couple more minutes? Let me read a quote to you. Question and answer is 64. What is the evidence that a person is really filled with the Holy Ghost? St. John 14, 26. When the Holy Ghost has come, he will show you things to come. He'll perfect it. Man-maids won't do it. Now you're talking about speaking in tongues, jumping, shouting, many of those things. Man-maids won't do it. He is the Word, and when the Holy Ghost has come, he will identify himself in you with the scripture. And that is the true sign the Holy Spirit is in you because it is the word. So if a person says, I've got the Holy Ghost, I'm born again. And I say, how was you baptized in water? Oh, I was baptized the way Jesus said. I was baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And I say, but brother or sister, Father is not a name. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. There was not one person in the New Testament that was ever baptized or in history until the 300s in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Don't you tell me, I'll tell you one thing, you old oneness guy. Oh, I didn't say nothing about me. I was quoting them the scripture. But whatever spirit they have made them mad. So it can't be the Holy Spirit who wrote the word. Why would he write the word and put it in there and then somebody quote it to me or you and when they do, we get mad. We get fighting mad. The Holy Ghost will always say amen to the word. Even when you don't understand it. How many says amen even when you don't understand? Oh, there's lots of things that I don't know. Brother Donnie, you don't understand? No, 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 no. I don't do it because I understand it. I do it because the word says so. You imagine them Jews, the sacrifices and all the things they done, sprinkle the blood seven times and do this seven and this seven, and they thought, why in the world are we even doing this? They didn't even know. It was not even revealed to the New Testament why they did that all those hundreds and hundreds of years. All they knew was God said do it, so we're going to do it. So the Spirit of God in us will never deny his word. Now look, what if you spoke with tongues? I just want to ask you that. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost come, what he would do. So what if you spoke with tongues, jumped up and down, shouted and everything else, and then come to the word and I tell you, baptism proved to you by the scripture, as I have, that baptizing using the title Father, Son, Holy Ghost is absolutely a misunderstanding in the scripture. 
Nobody was ever baptized like that, and you go ahead and hang with that. Could you tell me the Holy Spirit in you would do a thing like that? So when I say, I've got the Holy Ghost, bless God, don't, don't bother me to cut my hair. But the Bible says it's an uncommon thing for a woman to pray with her hair cut. Well, don't bother my Holy Ghost. Well, there's only one. I mean, you ain't got yours, and you got yours, and you got yours, and yours. There's only one. And he's the author of the word. So he, he, can, he will never lead us contrary to the word. And he'll never, well, my Holy Ghost don't believe that. Well, you need to get God's Holy Ghost instead of yours. Because <laughs> he'll always identify with the word. Is that right? Could you tell me the Holy Spirit and you would do a thing like that? How can it deny its own word? Now, in this speaking in tongues and so forth, I wish every one of you, wow, now you're going to hear a lot of message folks quote this one. I wish every one of you spoke in tongues. I sure do. Many times good Christians, you see, I'll tell you that if you're on the program, I found someone on the program on the interviews this morning, a person I guess they're still in the building, about speaking in tongues. The person, a genuine person, a real person that lived right, and they heard me say the evidence of the Holy Ghost wasn't speaking in tongues, and it isn't. But I advise that person to ask God to let them either speak in tongues or prophesy. And now he tells why. Because it's the nature. The first thing I went to that person and found their birthplace and what sign they were born under and could tell what their birth was, which way it set in their natural nature. Oh, now, Brother Donnie, that... Oh my goodness, that's astrology, ain't it? No, astrology is an impersonation of this. Remember, God wrote the Bible in the heavens before he ever put it in paper. So the stars, look at the Virgin, look at Leo, look at many of the Sagittarius, all the things written out in the heavens. The stars was what God quoted to Job. God quoted to Job Pleiades. You know what Pleiades? Constellation of the seven sisters. God quoted to Job Octurus. God quoted to Job. Read Job, it's in your Bible. God was quoting to Job the only Bible Job had, which was the stars. So what happens on the earth are aligned. You say, that's crazy. No, it ain't crazy. What was it that announced the birth of the Lord Jesus on the earth when them three stars come together and made the personification of one great star and they followed that star and the wise men led, led right to where he was born. So notice what the prophet said. Then he said, that sets the natural nature in a certain line. Then you're reborn again. Then you're over in another nature. Then you find in this nature, that's the inside conscience. The outside conscience moves you in one way, that's your natural birth. That'll make up something that puts him under what? Now don't ask me a question on this because I can't explain it. Under a four, which puts them in a split condition. Now I understand the split condition. I've been split most of my life. Y'all understand you split over this and you split over that. And you, well, what's a four? I don't know what a four is. But I'm grateful that God, now notice what the prophet is doing. He's not doing away with the person's humanity and saying, look, you've got the Holy Ghost. Lay aside this humanity. He's doing exactly the same reason I did this a while ago to you, to help you to see you can be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and still deal with your humanity, your nature. 
let me hurry. We got church in the morning. <laughs> Y'all don't have to preach, but I do. <laughs> now he says, notice what this split condition does to you. They don't know what to do. They'll say, the Lord wants me to do this, the inside. Oh, I, I just know it lines up with the scripture. And they'll start to do it. And the first thing you know, Satan on this outside. Notice the difference. It ain't like God and the devil are 100 trillion miles apart. Let me tell you what separates God and the devil. The veil of your flesh. That's how close God and the devil are. God in you and the devil just right out here. Praise the Lord. The prophet tells us in spoken words, original seed, he said, whether you're a pope, priest, bishop, or prophet, every one of us are born between Satan and Eve. And some of you are wondering where the serpent seed is. Ah. Don't ask me a question on that. <laughs> Watch where he's putting the battle. He ain't putting it in heaven and in hell. Notice where he's putting God and the devil in you. God in your soul. Satan in that Roman. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The inside, I just know it lines up with the scripture. And they'll start to do it. And the first thing you know, Satan on this outside will show them all kinds of defects in it. And then they say, well, I guess they listen to Satan. You've got to take that inside something. That's what's on the inside of you that's scriptural and don't let Satan stand anywhere. That's his duty to stand there and pound at you like that, but you don't listen to him. But that person, I told them, they said, well, now, if I just had, if I could be sure of the Holy Ghost. Now listen how Brother Random describes this individual. A dandy person. Don't you love them theological terms he used? Dandy. <laughs> a dandy person. Man, I sure hope you can call me a dandy person, don't you? A dandy person. Real, loyal person with the Holy Ghost. But this person kept thinking, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't, I don't have it. Why? This outside person was telling you ain't got it. You ain't never spoken in tongues. Why? Whenever people's in your Sunday and worshiping the Lord, some of them people sitting there forever and ever and ever singing, worshiping God, and you stood right there and you didn't feel nothing. That proves you're a devil. But you don't listen to his mouth. You listen to your soul. What's God telling you? Who do you love? God or the devil? Listen to this. A dandy person, a real loyal person with the Holy Ghost. But this is what Brother Bram tells him. It would be good for them, to, for her to say, Father, just give me this for something to stand on. Now with this sister's makeup, Brother Bram tells her, Sister, maybe you should ask God to let you speak in tongues or prophesy. Isn't it amazing how the message folks, you don't hear them quote this. Wonder why? 
This is part of the message, right? We, we do believe this part too. How many believes this part of the message? There may be people sitting here tonight. There may be people in Africa that have streamed the service in here. They are. They may, may have the same similar makeup right here. And yet their pastor may say, oh, you're Pentecostal. Pentecostal? Well, Brother Branham told this woman for that. And yet he said she had the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the real Holy Ghost. But she kept battling with her nature. Now listen to the way he goes on to explain this and I'll close. Now if I taught it like that, people would reach out and get a hold of that without having what that person's got. Now most of you, any of y'all in Pentecost before you come to the message? Any of y'all? Nobody? But me and Carol. Okay. You see, this is one thing that gets me about a lot of the Pentecostal people, uh, or the message people that preach against Pentecost, and they preach uh, on Pentecostalism. And most of them preachers that are preaching it have never even been in it. They don't even know what they're talking about. So they take quotes, and they try to drive down any speck of emotion in the message and call it Pentecostalism. And they don't even know what Pentecostalism is. I was in Pentecost, so I know what it is. And there is a world of difference in Pentecostalism and the real Pentecost of Acts 2. I've experienced both. So I know what it's like. And yet people, oh, Brother Random didn't want us to have emotion. I'm not sure what message you're reading, but it ain't the same one I'm reading. As a matter of fact, the prophet says it'll be the same sensation, the same emotion. I'll tell you what it is. It's the devil trying to get inside the message to rob our young people of a real experience with God. Because all he wants you to do is say, well, I believe the message. I believe God sent a prophet. Every devil in hell believes the same thing. There ain't a devil in hell that don't believe that Brother Brandon was a prophet. You'll not find one of them devils ever going to YouTube. You'll never find one of them devils giving a testimony why I left the message, why I no longer believe the message. There ain't a devil in hell that believed Brother Brandon was a false prophet. It's only idiots that believe that. Woo! Preach, Brother Donnie. Well, that's exactly right. They had their hide cast out enough. They had their hide burning up at that gift of God. They know better. They would scream. Them demons would scream in the services. They would holler and scream because that man was not a false prophet, but a true one. Amen. But if Brother Random knew if he taught, well, you, you, you pray for tongues and you pray for prophecy and, and you pray for healing and you pray for that. He knew that many of the message people would focus on that and not have the true experience. And this is one reason that it kind of leads to an off balance in many of the message ranks. That people say, oh, if, if you want the move of God, you're a Pentecostal. Well, I guess that makes Paul Pentecostal. I guess that means Peter was. And James, because when the day of Pentecost was fully come and the Spirit of God came in there and He set upon each of them and they all went to sleep in the church house. Whatever they got made them act like drunk people. Any of y'all ever seen drunk people? Well, thank God most of y'all ain't. Well, that's good. You had good racing. Well, my daddy was a drunk. Drunk moonshine, drunk whiskey, drunk stuff before he got saved. I've been around a few drunks. Believe it or not, I prayed for a few up here at the altar. Huh. 
I prayed for a few that come up here and their breasts are just about knocking me down because of so much alcohol. I've talked to drunks back there in my office. They get real religious when they get drunk. But we don't want religion, we want salvation. So they were acting, now can you imagine this is a drunk man right here. Well, they've passed out, but their eyes are open, I guess. <laughs> but the people there said, these men are drunk. So how do you reckon they were acting? Now, would, if you was acting that way, would anybody say, Brother Zach, you're drunk as a dog. <laughs> Reckon what they was doing. Pitching and staggering. Couldn't hardly stand up. and Started speaking in tongues. Amen. Remember the Catholic girl to come to Brother Bram, she's going to interview him. And she said, I'll tell you one thing, I don't want to never go to heaven if people like that's going. He said, don't worry, girl, you won't be there as long as you have that attitude. And he said, she, he said, you're, you're Virgin Mary. She said, you're a Catholic. She said, how'd you know I was a Catholic? He said, I can tell you your name if you want me to. And he said, I'll tell you right now. You write an article against me and say something contrary to what I say and you will scream my name in your last dying breath. Her girl had more sense than what a lot of folks do because she never wrote the article. But Brother Bram went on to tell her, he said, your blessed Virgin Mary had to dance and shout and speak in tongues and get the Holy Ghost. She said, oh, that ain't true. He picked up his Bible and read it right there and she wouldn't even look at it. He said, well, you're not even fit to even call yourself a Christian. Won't even read the Bible. Well, if it was so for her, it's so for some of these message unbelievers the same way. Brother Branham come to restore our faith back to the original apostolic doctrine. Praise the Lord. Brother Random was not against the message people getting born again and having the Holy Ghost. He's against getting emotion without getting the new birth. Look, I've seen many a people, when I come up the altar as a 12-year-old boy and they beat on my back and beat on my back. That's it, Donnie. That's it. That's it. That's it, Donnie. That's it, Donnie. Well, you're just trying to get a little relief. Help me. Help me. Help me. You got the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. I've seen many of them get up. And in two weeks, a month, two months, they were right back to the same old stuff. But when you get the Holy Ghost, He'll change you forever. Let's bow our heads. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for making a way that we could be born again or born from above. Lord Jesus, I pray you touch each young person here tonight. And I realize there's more than young people streaming this, Lord. There's people of all different age categories. Don't just limit it to the visible audience. But if there's any that are streaming this or that will go back and archive it, Father, in the name of Jesus, may you feel your children. Lord, we realize the rapture cannot take place 
till every seed of God is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not enough to play tapes. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to even say we believe you sent a prophet. But we must have that token applied to our lives. And just as we were born out of our mother into a world of light and sounds, so when we were born again, we were born into a world of light and sounds and influences, new motives, new objectives, new perimeters, new boundaries, new hopes, all kinds of new things. Lord, we desire to keep right on walking. We don't never want to stop until our bodies are changed, Lord. We grow in our understanding. As we were babies when we couldn't see, I'm told, maybe for several days, and light was striking the pupil, but hitting the reflection in the back of the eye, and we was trying to, the brain processed the new images. Because our eyes, we had them while we were in our mother's womb. But we didn't use them. We didn't need them. So is it, Lord, now that we're born again, we're trying to focus. Many of us started out believing in three. It's because we wasn't focusing right. But now we're looking and seeing they ain't three. Those three are one. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus. Open our understanding to your word. Grant it, I pray, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. Can we just stand together? Oh, if you've got the Holy Ghost tonight, aren't you glad you're born again? That you've got that something in you. Look, you'll battle with this the rest of your life. You'll battle it. The prophet tells us in question answer 64, he likens it to a cucklebur, and he said what happens is the Spirit of God comes and it cuts open that cucklebur, and it takes the heart out, and it puts a wheat heart in it. So imagine you've got a cucklebur. You open it up, you put a wheat heart inside, and then you sew it back up. And people still look at the outside and they say, oh, I see him, he makes mistakes. Oh, I see her, she makes mistakes. But on the inside, you got a wheat heart. And when you make a mistake, oh, Father, forgive me. Lord, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I don't want to ever do that again. Lord, I'm so sorry. That's the wheat heart. So Brother Ben said, how can I ever, how can I ever bring that to a change? Bury it. So you take that and bury it. And then when it comes forth in the resurrection, it's all wheat. But if we're alive and remaining, what will happen? The power of God from within us will change this Roman in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And the cockle bear will vanish away.
our stickiness, our carnality. Can you imagine if the change was just refreshing our use and we'd all go back to being 18 years old? It wouldn't be no time in heaven. There'd be little cliques over here. You and your friends would be living down, you know, Hallelujah Avenue, and then those people that you didn't really like, you'd have them, you'd send them way over there to Glory Avenue, and then there'd be another little clique over yonder and Praise the Lord Avenue, and we'd be divided, we'd be split. Don't you see, the change isn't just for our soul. It's for all of our mortality. This is where we have our clashes today, right here. I mean, wants the Lord to help you to be able to bring this subject to what's on the inside. Not just your conscience, not just a teaching alone, but the life that lives in you. Let's just sing it together and worship Him. I'll, I'll let you go because I know we got service tomorrow. Let's sing it together. Oh, I love Him. Just worship Him now. I love Him because He first and purchased my division office and one of the patrol officers come up to me and he just said I, I want to apologize if I've ever done anything to you to offend you in any way he said I know you're a Christian I didn't know the man didn't hang out with him you know I told brother Joel Brown I said you look at that and you think what are they seeing that I don't see 
So they're seeing something when you go to school, when you go to your jobs. There's something about you that they see, and Satan don't want you to see what there are other people seeing. When God ever gives you that revelation of what he's allowing the world to see in you, your whole world, your whole life will be different. The battles up here, your mind will never change. Satan's got that time between now and the rapture to convince you that you don't have the Holy Ghost, but God said you can have it because it's a free gift. That's his love. That's just God's grace and his love. So I, I enjoy this. I could go all, I could listen to him all night long. All night long. So appreciate Brother Donnie taking his time, knowing he could be at home studying tonight. And uh, I, I appreciate that. That's a real pastor to me. So so we'll get ready to go. We're going to ask Brother Jesse if you don't care to sing Wasn't That Love? And uh, you're all free to go. God bless you. In the town of Bethlehem, God came down to visit man. Wasn't that love? Wasn't that love? He knew pain and loneliness as he wore that robe of flesh. Wasn't that love? Wasn't that?
Stay. 